Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. This is episode one, the beauty queen of Persia. Our woman of the week is Queen Esther, and we are sourcing her story as told in the book of Esther in the King James Version of the Bible. Today's music is a classical Persian tune, a trio in Mahar. Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. My name is Anne. I'm Courtney. I'm Tammy. And we are the queens. That's what we call ourselves now because it's true. We wear crowns when we feel like it. So we're going to go ahead um, because you guys are new here, probably know like one or two of us, but maybe not all of us. I'm just going to like introduce ourselves a little bit and explain who we are, why we're awesome. And um, we'll start there. So Tammy, how about you go first? Cool. So I grew up in little old Utah, um, you know, the cold place and all the great snow. Uh, I have a really large family and love them to death. It's a really great experience to have friends and family at the same time. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, got, I got two degrees. I got one uh, bachelor's in special education and elementary education at Utah State. And then I did, pursued my master's degree in applied behavior analysis in Florida, which which is North where Florida, we but then when I moved to South Florida, that's when all three of us met, which was really, really fun. Um, I've since moved back, doing my own thing, just opening um, a clinic for a company that I'm working with, um, and I just love it. I, I'm just so passionate about kids and autism and behavior analysis, and I just love it so much. Um, but I think I'm awesome because I have cool experiences. I have the weirdest life experiences, guys, and you'll hear about all of them, but yeah, that's me. Welcome. Yay! Welcome. I'm super glad to have you, Tammy. (laughs) Thanks. All right, and Courtney. So I'm Courtney. I grew up in Georgia, and it is not cold where I grew up, like right in the middle of the state. Um, It's so cold right now, guys. That's why we're talking about the temperature. We're a bit cold. (laughs) Freezing, in fact. Yeah. Where I'm from, when you're at the end of April, summer has begun. So this is quite different. There was snow yesterday. There are clouds outside. Um, Not rain clouds either. So growing up in Georgia, I love Southern hospitality and just learning how to present yourself and having really genuine people, kind people. Um, I was really privileged to be able to grow up like within 10 minutes most of my childhood from my grandparents. So they're a huge influence being able to be close to them and have that like a small extended family. I'm one of three kids, and I'm the youngest, so get ready. I like to start wars. Heck yes. Um, <laughs> I attended Savannah College of Art and Design for interior design, and it was amazing just being able to have creative flexibility and be able to meet for the first time people from all around the world. I think a large percentage of my fellow classmates were from different parts of the world. And I think at one point in my freshman year, I looked around and I was like, wait, I don't think I know anyone that's American. (laughs) Um, So it was fascinating just to be able to get to know people on a different level, learn their backgrounds and what makes them, you know, make certain decisions and what cultural influences. I was also able to study abroad in college for three months, and so, so oh my goodness, being able to spend so three fun. solid months in in Europe and just get away from the rat race, it really opened my eyes to a different way of life, and mm-hmm. since then, I've just uh, loved working in design and traveling and knowing interesting people and personalities, so that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm about. 
I love it. Thanks for being part of this. Oh my gosh. Really (laughs) true. So excited. The crazy thing uh, that you're going to figure out, uh, dear listeners, listener, there's got to be at least one of you, um, (laughs) is that uh, we are very, very different and uh, quite an eclectic uh, group of women. So it's really fun. Okay, so it's my turn to introduce myself. My name is Anne. Uh, I studied criminal justice um, after high school, shortly after high school. Um, and then the, oh no, after a really hard class, we had to listen to 911 recordings and I said to myself, no, thank you. Um, it was really hard for me. So I left and did English education. Um, Well, I started English and then added education um, because I wanted to teach and I'd been a substitute teacher for a little while. Um, But while I was there, um, I used to give one of my friends a ride home from from, uh, the university. And I remember telling her one night about like, oh yeah, Anne Bonnie, who was a pirate and she did all these things. And then I also told her about Anne Boleyn, who like just was super ambitious and all all of this stuff. Um, And I was like, yeah, and then there's Queen Anne. And she's like, I don't, who? Like, who are you talking about? And I was, like, so confused. I was, like, how do you not know these people? Because for me as a kid, um, I kind of grew up, um, I, I was obsessed with other people whose name was Anne, like, Anne with an E. Like, that's how Courtney and I bonded. Yes, it was <laughs> <Over> fantastic. <laughs> it was perfect. Like, in my phone, Courtney was saved as uh, Courtney who knows Megan follows and is awesome because we both love Anne of Green Gables. And that was, like, our bonding moment. And then we never saw each other again. Um, but now we're doing a podcast together. So that's really fun. <laughs> I'm so glad you have an E in your name. Oh, yes. It's perfect. Like, I tried going without the E for a little while, and it just, it, it didn't suit me at all. Um, but she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know any of these, of these Anns. I don't know any of these women. I was like, oh, boy, like, I don't know how I could have gone through life not knowing about these women because they, like... I did, it's something that I've kind of taken for granted is having just this knowledge, um, I guess. Um, but so I taught for a year. Um, I did English ed and then I taught for a year. Um, so while I was in Florida, COVID hit. And then um, I moved back to Utah. Um, and I ended up moving in with my brother. Um, and then that next summer, I started working security. And that's actually where this project came from was... Um, when I started working security. Um, I had an amazing boss, um, slash supervisor, slash mentor, as I was working security, um, Mike. And he constantly, uh, when we were doing, like, either trainings or when we were just talking about life in general, he'd always say, remember what Machiavelli said. And I was proud of myself because I'd picked up The Prince by Machiavelli once because I was working on writing a book and I was like, research. Um, But I hadn't like fully read it from cover to cover. So I was like, yeah, I remember what Machiavelli said. (laughs) Do you want to refresh my memory on which part (laughs) that Machiavelli said? And then he would tell me and he'd say, uh, explain a principle. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like that that makes tons of sense. Um, And then... A little bit later, he would be like, Ranger, because he nicknamed, nicknamed me Ranger. He's like, Ranger, remember what 
Sun Tzu said. I was like, Sun Tzu, like literally every chapter of The Art of War starts with Sun Tzu said. <laughs> so once again, we got to be more specific. <laughs> but anyway, all of this um, led me to realize that um, I had lots of studying to do. Um, and so I started off with The Prince by Machiavelli. And because uh, and like basically what Machiavelli is doing is during the Renaissance, um, he's looking for perfection in people and creating like Courtney can definitely explain the Renaissance a lot better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like trying to create like principles of the perfect prince, the perfect leader. And instead of doing an artwork, um, he writes the prince. He's also trying to gain patronage from the Medici's or I know I say that wrong every time, like the emphasis is wrong. <laughs> um, but so he um, so he writes down all of this because uh, the Medici's were, I think that's how you say it. I'm going to nod and pretend because I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. They're not living. We're just going to move on. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. The Italians, <clears throat> we haven't offended you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> ciao, ciao. <laughs> um, but so basically... Um, they were like this important ruling family and they have slowly been losing like their prestige in Florence and so Machiavelli wants to revamp this and is like hey these are principles that your grandfather followed even if um, he didn't know specifically what he was doing or recognize and didn't have like this playbook so here's this playbook here's what you can do right um, over time it has gained a reputation for being super manipulative. We'll talk about that. Um, but there are some pretty important principles in there that got me think. like one of them specifically, he goes through um, and he says that one of the fastest ways for men to rise in station is to study the art of war, not Sun Tzu's book, though maybe, you know, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you could have been thinking about that. Um, but basically to study the art of war because there's no faster way for a man to rise in station when he has none and no faster way for a man to lose everything he has if he's not studying the art of war because mm -hmm. somebody will be studying it better than him. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking, my goodness, that's definitely a masculine way to come to power. But I already knew like Anne Barney maybe not the most powerful pirate, but she was important. And then Anne Boleyn also had like her own um, power and influence. So how did they come to power? What did they do? Is, is there a pattern in these women? Like what and how are they different? How is their pattern for success and power and influence? How is that different from men's paths to power? Um, and so I just started reading a whole bunch of different biographies of women. Um, I also started reading a bunch of other books and I was like, oh, look, this one is like Machiavelli for women. This one is the princessa. Like, and they're all based on women being in power. But something that was really important that I felt like they were all missing is um, one of Machiavelli's most important quotes to me personally is that a wise man ought always to follow the paths beaten by great men and to imitate those who have been supreme. And they didn't have any examples of women. They didn't have any, like they didn't talk about real women who had done specific things. Like there was one obscure reference to a poet that was like, how did that help her? <laughs> like what influence did she have here? Um, and so 
it like I I just wanted to go through and figure out what what the pattern is for women to gain power and influence and also like just a just a general question I've kind of had most of my life is what is it what does it mean to be a good woman mm-hmm. um, and so hopefully throughout this podcast we can um, we can answer that question for you like a like we're I like to call them patterns of excellence what we're looking for um, and so we are going to be focusing on specific women for each episode um, and like one like they all do a good job of exemplifying each principle, mm-hmm. but there's a specific principle that each of them uh, exemplify especially well. And so we're going to be using these different women to show that principle mm-hmm. um, as we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I am super excited to be part of this. Um, I think with, I mentioned a little bit of traveling and things like that and meeting just amazing people throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it definitely is one of my goals to take up this study with Anne and mm-hmm. yeah. apply the best parts, the pe- parts that resonate with me mm-hmm. um, and keep them and apply those patterns. So, yeah. I think the other thing that's important is that we also have, um, we have good examples and bad examples. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at both of them. So we are not ignoring anybody historically. Like, no rose-cutted yeah. glasses here. Let's no. see the truth and let's mm-hmm. pick it apart and see what we <laughs> right? want to keep. Yeah. We like there are there are some women who ended their lives in like absolute roses and glory and like <laughs> they have like Catherine the Great. She's called the Great for a reason, mostly because she gave herself that moniker. So, dun, dun, dun. And but she great. was great. <laughs> she was great. Like she earned that <clears throat> title. Like she gave it to herself and she earned it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've got other people or other women who their lives ended in devastating tragedy. Like you've Mm -hmm. got the Romanovs in uh, Russia, you've got um, at the end of the Bolshevik Revolution, you've got um, Marie Antoinette, the Capes, um, who end, like their lives end in like devastating tragedy. And like, is there a pattern to that? And what is it? And how can we use the lives of these women to make better decisions in our own personal lives? Yeah, and I think that's like the whole point of this podcast is, yeah, we have information. We've studied these women and they've kind of become our friends through the study that we've done. Like I hold these women mm-hmm. very dear to my heart, even though I've never met them and most yeah. of them aren't even living. But the concept that I think we really want to get across is that they've taught us some really solid principles about how to be a good woman, how to be a good person, how to be influential and all of these mm-hmm. principles that we will talk about. And we really want to drive that home that you can be a powerful person. You can be an influential individual, just like these wonderful women that have become our really very dear friends. Yeah. And they, they and none of them have this, like, we literally are looking at women across the entire spectrum. Like, I told you already, I love pirates and I love the mafia <laughs> and all of that. We're also going to be looking at, like, empresses and queens and, like, paragons of virtue, like Joan of Arc, right? So... Like, no bars held. Um, if you want to send us recommendations for women, like, please do. Like, mm-hmm. we, we're we not holding back. We're going to take a look at everybody. And also, I'm really excited because um, we're going to look at, like, women, like, womanhood across different cultures. So, mm-hmm. like, with fairy tales, 
um, how women are portrayed. Uh, I'm really excited for our Greek goddess episode. That's going to be super fun. Oh, sorry. Don't tap the table. Um, that's going to be super excited. Sorry, I'm fidgeting. I'm excited. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And, um, okay, so why the Queen's Silk? Why that name? Tammy, do you want to explain? Yeah, for sure. I actually uh, signed up to do this thing called Silk and Sonder. And it's basically a mental health survival mode type thing where they help you to take care of yourself as a person through different experiences. And again, it's called Silk and Sonder. Sonder meaning that you actually recognize that everybody has a life that's just as complex as your own and that it still exists even if you aren't personally aware of it. So yeah. part of what we're talking about involves that Sonder aspect of it. We're talking about these women that have very distinct lives. They lived at a totally different time from ours, totally different section and experience of what we did, but they still lived. Mm -hmm. But silk is one of those really interesting words that at first I was like, why in the world is silk such an important concept? It's, it's fabric, right? Yeah. But when you really look at the definition, it's an informal definition from, um, from a British concept. And it's basically a queen's silk means a queen's council. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to portray here. Like we've got the queen's silk and there are three of us and we counsel together about I mean our lives of course but about how we can become better women and I think the biggest thing that I really want to drive home here is the podcast is meant on helping everybody become better people including yeah. ourselves so I'm sure you'll see us develop and grow over time as we we use this principle of the queen's silk the concept of counseling together and supporting each other and recognizing that all of us come from different backgrounds but that can actually benefit each other rather than be a detriment to each other yeah like we are not like disclosures or disclaimer statement right mm -hmm. here <laughs> we are not perfect nope what um, <laughs> i didn't know. I, know I know surprise everyone <clears throat> we are not perfect at all um especially no, just kidding i was gonna roast somebody and then it's like mm, better not <laughs> it's not very nice yet maybe podcast no. episode three yeah, we'll wait till episode three, 40 minutes later. And this person, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so we're not perfect. These are things that we're still working on. Hopefully someday you guys get to meet us in person. I think that would be super fun. Um, and you'll come to find like, hmm, we about, like we we see the value in these, in these virtues that we're going to talk about. And we're working towards them, but we're not amazing at them yet. Mm -hmm. There's a power in the word yet. Um, and that's that's what we're working towards. We're, we're going to become that. Yeah. Um, I think also the thing that's cool, like, I love the, the idea of the queen silk because, um, it, like, silk is a soft, lustrous fiber, but it's strong even mm -hmm. by itself. But then when you add it to other things, like, it creates something very elegant, something very beautiful, and something that's sturdy, that's durable, that's going to last for a long time. So one principle on top of the other, like we're creating a tapestry of who we are, but also who you can become too. Like that's, that's our goal. And honestly, none of these women that we've studied have come by themselves. They've always yeah. had some sort of hero, heroine that has influenced where they've come and they might have gone mm -hmm. through the, the experiences by themselves, but they've always had somebody else to be there helping, supporting, guiding, and directing. Even this guy that I was, I was reading a book of his, his name's Hassan Davis, but the entire concept of his book about like helping individuals in need, he was so influenced by his mother. 
Did she have to, did she walk him through every step in life and help him like make every decision? Absolutely not. He was a very independent person, but her counsel, her guidance, her direction really helped him to become who he was and helped him influence all of the people that he influenced. He's a huge bigwig in the field. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're going for too, is even if you are by yourself, even if you don't have people that you feel like are influencing you, we're hoping that some of these women can really start to resonate in your heart and help you understand that <laughs> there's hope, right? There's there's purpose and there's a large goal for you to work for in a very manageable manner. And that even mm-hmm. if you don't feel them, at least we're here for you. And I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I'm so excited too about our social media uh, community that we're creating with our mm-hmm. Instagram. Please follow. Mm-hmm. I am so excited to get started with the episodes and then hear feedback from everyone, mm-hmm. from all of our listeners, the people that have influenced you, the stories that you know have taught you amazing principles, the things that you have seen socially and uh, culturally, religiously, all of it. Um, and being able to continue to share and counsel with us. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be yeah. amazing. So we're kind of taking these women, kind of comparing their thoughts and feelings. We're kind of making them counsel. <laughs> we're counseling together. And then this third tier is like all of our outreach. We mm-hmm. really yeah. want to hear from you and your opinions and uh, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes um, is from comedian slash historian Andy Andrews. Um, he said... And he said this in a way that was like, guys, this is a this is a heads up, a warning, right? He's like, your best thinking got you to where you are. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I and I that. am in a stupid place right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like your but your best thinking got you here, and so with that, like that's part of why he studies history because he doesn't want it just to be his thinking. Like you gotta like go out there and find other people who think differently than you Mm -hmm. because your best thinking got you to where you are. But if you have other people, even people from history, even people that like, you don't know, like even on social media, um, they, they can have different perspectives than you and help you see your situation a lot differently and help you get out of where you're at if you don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. So that's like one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, even if you think about it, we'll talk about some of these amazing women, but Evie Pompuris talks about that too, mm-hmm. where she grew up and the Greek myths were so empowering to her. Mm-hmm. The concept of strength, the concept of improvement, like those really, and courage, I guess too, really influenced who she was and the, the situation that she decided to put herself in and become such an incredible woman. It doesn't have to be a real person, guys. That's basically what I'm saying is they can be these fake people as long as they help inspire you to become better and they Mm -hmm. share those and show you those principles of how you can be a more influential person, a more educated person, a more, anyway, a better person. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm at like a unique place in my life right now where I'm like very much in a transition. After COVID, uh, I moved, I ran away from a lot of stress in my career and I totally went to the mountains in Tennessee and just saw waterfalls and beautiful trees and was healed by nature. Like I, and I did a lot of like self-work during that time, Uh but I, I'm in this time frame where I can really decide very clearly who and what I want to be and Mm -hmm. what path I want to take. And it's a little intimidating. (laughs) Oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying, (laughs) but also so empowering because I think uh, I grew up in a small town in Georgia with uh, a lot of ideas about what you were, you had the ability to become. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like before I even went to college, 
the most I could have achieved was being like a manager at Walmart. Literally, Mm -hmm. that was like, or working for the Air Force Base, which was what brought my my family there regardless. But those were like high achievements for the town that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. So for me to even go to college and open up opportunity for myself and then to see where it's taken me, it's taken me to work for foreign companies and to travel and train with people that have such amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. So just this idea, even for myself, has been a, a concept that I've, I have, has, I've had to open for myself, mm-hmm. that you can, can be more than what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. So as oh, we yeah. study and as we look at different examples, like, oh, I can really influence my future mm-hmm. and I can own my future. It's not about other people's expectations or ideas for me. It's mine mm-hmm. to yeah. do what I will what energy i'll put forth what courage i'll have and what perseverance i'll maintain yeah yeah and i i love that because even as we've started this we've been researching for a very very long time but each of us i've seen growth and improvement and basically becoming these women's friends and seeing the principles that they can influence in our lives like even from when Anne started and was telling me about Machiavelli and her eyes would light up and she was so excited about i mean the political principles of course but also the concept that it can influence her and it can influence us and it can change lives. And just seeing that progress go from reading a book to hello world, we are a podcast. And I think that's such an exciting principle to just Mm -hmm. recognize the change that it has already made and that it will continue to make as we read it and study it and try to apply it into our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And okay. So, um, I've been, as we've, been talking we've kind of been using the words power and influence um and those terms can have like we all know what an influencer is on on like tiktok or instagram right mm-hmm. um but we want to have like a more meaningful meaningful a more <laughs> meaningful <laughs> impact um and so like what what do we actually mean by power what do we actually mean by influence um, and how do power and influence help us to have make a difference in the world? That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the focus of our our story today. Um, Tammy, I know you looked up yeah, power just, and influence. Do you want? I was waiting to see if you wanted to finish, but yep. yes, Go I ahead. actually would love to talk about this because I think power and influence are often confused because they're very similar. They're distinct principles, but they're very similar. And I think trying to understand the difference is going to really help us to understand the people that we're studying both today and in the future. When you do a a quick search, influence is this ability to affect other people and change their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a really powerful principle. You think about it and pretty much anybody can have influence as long as somebody is changing because of something that they've said, right? Yeah. The difference between that power and influence and power is that power takes that influence and affects change over time. Um, So it's not just influencing people's behavior in one moment because you can say something to me and I'll change my behavior then, but will I keep that change? No, that's that's totally way too much work. And that's where power comes in. If you can actually influence somebody but influence them consistently over time, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot better progress even in yourself than you would initially. So that, that distinct difference between the two, you have to have influence to have power, but power is making that over time. Yeah, I do love that because especially in Machiavelli's The Prince, you know, it talks about how you can totally sell me on day one. Mm -hmm. Like you can say, you can give an amazing speech, you can sell me on your tagline, Mm -hmm. but you will eventually fail if Mm -hmm. you don't maintain 
the integrity of that thought yeah. and that presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the lasting change. I think it's so interesting that everybody focuses on. Okay, so here's where we're going to get a little controversial about Machiavelli. Number one, I think he's fantastic and phenomenal and also playing like 5D chess with people. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he's he's just being honest. Like, And he always promotes the long-lasting change before he says dramatic instant change. So, like, for example, one of the things he's... Like, he's talking about colonialism. And you can go and you can slowly integrate and move into a population and you can influence that population to become subject to you and to what you want them to do. And that is the friendly way. Alternatively, you can nuke that civilization and now the land's yours. Boom, no problem. Like you've conquered the land, Mm -hmm. if that's your goal. It really depends on what your goal is Mm -hmm. um, with Machiavelli. And so, but a lot of people tend to focus on like the... The just nuke them <laughs> as opposed to slowly integrate and get to know people mm-hmm. and you create lasting friendships and change there mm-hmm. that so that's more like the part that we're going to focus on but like he says both methods are technically effective uh, effective yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah we yeah um, yeah, dependent on your goal. Yep. Depend- Always be intentional. Uh-huh. Yes. Listeners, be intentional with your goal. <laughs> yes, and know what your goal is. Like, if your goal is quick conquering... Just nuke it. Uh, It'll be just... fine. <laughs> okay, I just have to clarify. Like, we are not actually advocating <laughs> no, 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 a no. place or start for Like, that is not at all what we're saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, but... we do constantly talk about starting a war, and that partly comes from... Um, I have this little thing that I started saying. I... I get bored very easily, and I'm kind of at a point in my life where I literally have said uh, to both Tammy and Courtney, I either need to get married or start a war. Um, because I just, either one of those phases in my life, I need to start pursuing it. I, I want to pursue something that's mm-hmm. going to make a difference and make an impact. Um, and either will fantastically engage you in a wide variety of right. things. <laughs> like, and responsibilities and unpredictable occurrences. Yes. It will change and grow and it'll be perfect. Well, consider this. Like, but this is so off topic, but we're going for it now. Like, this is great. Yeah. Um, so both, like, both uh, leading a war and leading a home have very simple or very similar strategies, right? So you have to manage a home. You have multiple people that you are in charge of. You have to make sure the army gets fed. You, if you have kids, you better feed them or they will die. Same with your government will come after you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For reals, like the same things that it takes to run a family are the same things that it takes to run a war. If you're not running your family like a war, we're going to have so many responses. <laughs> They're like, we went out and bought squirt guns. <laughs> like, <laughs> timers blows before. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, wholesome family activities that do not engage in violence okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what we're what we're recommending well, here but... i mean it is a slight psa like there yeah. is like real war going on in the world so what we're talking about is like strong change yeah and um taking action mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so we're actually yeah. really um sympathetic to everyone that has major struggles especially mm-hmm. in their own countries yeah. um so we hope that even our podcast can 
light in your hearts and know that mm-hmm. other people are trying to gain strength in our everyday mm-hmm. lives. So mm-hmm. even some of these small yeah. things, we do think well of everyone in their struggles and mm-hmm. in oh, different absolutely. economic and um, you know social struggles. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. There's I guess the the main thing here, like I like I was not getting too very well because <laughs> I was getting nervous about promoting war. Um, <laughs> is basically that there are skills. Like I said, patterns of excellence. And the patterns of excellence are are skills, developed skills for working with people, working with yourself, developing your own self and mm-hmm. self-improvement. Um, and then also moving into how you relate to others, um, how you relate to the world around you, all of that. And all of those all of those same principles that it would take to run an army or run a government or run a charity or even run a family, like we were saying. They all take the same skills. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have those yeah, skills, like a universal you're application. Not going, yeah, mm-hmm. like you're just not going to be effective at it. Well, and I think not just having the skills, but recognizing how those skills apply to every situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can have that skill, but if you only mm-hmm. use it in one situation, coming from a background of behavior, like you're not going to make any improvements in your life. You might make an improvement yeah. in the moment, but that skill's not generalizing. So recognizing mm-hmm. the skill, but how it applies to every situation is going to make mm-hmm. you that well-rounded individual, that person who has grown, that person who has developed, and that person who can make an impact on the lives of others, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And segue yes. how we're going to kind of demonstrate what we're talking about, because we've been kind of vague and just talking about principles for the moment. Um, we're going to talk about our first woman, our first queen. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Esther. Surprise! Um, okay, so what? Like, like I said, there I had a few different women that were like super influential for me, and I feel like Esther is some is a queen that um, a lot of people either know about or have grown up with or have very clear, specific ideas about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our story today, uh, we're going to mostly be focusing on the King James Version. I know there's multiple versions of the Bible. We're going to be talking about um, the King James Version. That's where... I'm going to repeat myself again. That's where our, our content is coming from today. <laughs> um, but personally, I feel like we do not give Esther enough credit for Mm -hmm. how amazing she was and I think not that this is wrong I think we focus a lot on the spiritual aspects Mm -hmm. and give God a lot of credit for what happened which valid totally um however God works through people Mm -hmm. in my in my experience like he has people do what they can Mm -hmm. um when they can and that's what makes a difference and so do you want to just tell this story first for anybody who's not familiar with who Esther is? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort Sorry. of setting it up to be like, yeah, so you know, like, so we know the story and we all think of Esther and we're like, oh my gosh, she saved all of her people. Like, she mm-hmm. walked in when the king had his rule, like, if you come when he doesn't want to see you, like, you're dead, like, mm-hmm. out. Like, very Newcomb strategy there. Um, so that's... That is in the story, but we're going to talk about other principles in the mm-hmm. story that I think are also really important and very cool. Yeah. So, um, hope you don't mind the sound of my voice. I know. It's sultry. Sultry sound of my voice. I will go into my storytelling voice. 
Once upon a time. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a story. Wow, Anne had no idea. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was very sultry. Isn't it gorgeous? So, <laughs> once upon a time in a land far, far away. Just kidding. Okay, so let's talk about this. So, first off, this does. This is a Cinderella fairy tale, okay? We're just going to throw that out yeah. there. So, we start off with um, the king. <laughs> this is, like, the funniest thing to me. Okay, so the king is at a party, and he's got all of his counselors, and I'm guessing... Like, this is definitely some of my speculation based mm-hmm. on, like, the story. I'm guessing he's a very young king because he's got lots of counselors who are all giving him advice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they say as they're at this party is, like, send for Queen Vashti. She's so beautiful. We want her to come dance for us. And the king is like, yeah, I'm going to send for Vashti. Like, mm-hmm. bring her in. And Vashti, who is kind of put out and is like, nah, she... um sends back word that she's not coming and the king is like oh man like my wife is not coming to dance for all of my counselors but more importantly the counselors are and I, uh, we should pull it up real quick but like um the counselors either the counselors i'm pretty sure it's the counselors that are like you should immediately divorce vashti because she's not obeying the king and we need to demonstrate, like, we need a queen that is going to be an example for the rest of the populace. Um, let's see. Yeah. Okay, what shall we do? Oh, yeah. So then the king said unto the wise men, what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Yeah, so he asks them, the counselors, what he should do because even the queen is not obeying him. Mm-hmm. And the counselors are like, you got to divorce her and get yourself a new wife who will obey you and who will be a good example to all the women of the kingdom Mm -hmm. to be um, obedient to their husbands. Mm -hmm. This is the time period, okay? And so he he goes ahead and the king is like, all right, that's it. Vashi's gone. All right, beauty contest. Find Mm -hmm. the most beautiful woman for me. We'll marry her, right? Mm -hmm. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right like, not in those words of course not, yeah this is me summarizing <laughs> no but it's so true how they how they describe her is based almost solely on her beauty yeah yeah yep like i mean there's a few it's and it's really funny because this whole beauty contest takes about a year mm-hmm. and there are multiple different rounds and you have to get through all of the king's counselors like there is even a counselor appointed to be over the handmaiden like mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's like a reality TV show yeah. <laughs> because that's a lot of stuff going on. Right. So basically, um, <clears throat> is it the proposal? I don't even watch these like reality TV shows, but like the bachelor, the bachelor. I was like the proposal. Oh. That's a movie. That was really good, but there was no beauty contest. Right. <laughs> so basically, Esther gets to the ra- last round of The Bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. And she's got, um, like, she, like, the king is now officially meeting all of these women. Mm-hmm. It's been a year now. And this is the thing. So the counselor who's in charge of all the handmaidens, he is like, oh, Esther has never asked for anything that she didn't need. She's always been very kind. She's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like, this girl. Like, he is actually the one who decides that she should be promoted and, like, mm-hmm. get to meet the king. 
because it's the counselors, not the king. The king will make the final decision, but it's the counselors who are all bringing them, mm -hmm. the, these women, to the king. Mm -hmm. So um, Esther like finds favor in everybody's sight, even the king's. When he meets her, he's like, oh my gosh, this girl, gorgeous. Like, this is the Bible of Anne at this moment. <laughs> like, like I said, not an accurate statement from the Bible. Um, but he did like her. But he, he did, did like her. her a lot, and he did accept her, and everybody is excited that they get married. Um, mm -hmm. There's this actually really cute, um, this, uh, who is it? I can't remember her name, but there's this uh, portrait of Esther that I really love, and it's got Esther out in the front, and then the other women who were there to be part of the beauty pageant mm -hmm. to become queen. And they, like, there's one who's looking at Esther in awe, just mm -hmm. absolute awe, like, yes, this is the woman I wanted to be queen. And then the other two women behind her are, like, just pissed. <laughs> They're <laughs> so mad. And then you just have Esther, who's like, I am here to serve. Mm -hmm. I am here to be the woman that I am. Like, mm -hmm. I love that portrayal of her. Mm -hmm. It's very, I don't know, I feel like it's very serene. Well, especially because I think we've all been in each of those sections. Yes, like, yeah, very much. We have all been angry at somebody because they're better, right? Which is yeah. a terrible place to be, but we've all done that. But it's still natural. Mm -hmm. It's natural. Yeah. And we've all been the one who looks to other people in awe because they're amazing and they can do such great things. Mm -hmm. And we've all, I honestly believe, been that person who was like Esther. Just there, yeah. regal, ready to do whatever needs to be done and to be the person mm -hmm. that they want to be. Those moments might be few and far between, but I think we've all been one of those people mm -hmm. and so we can relate very well to this the story and all aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, so shortly after this, which I think she is She gets hilarious. the rose, guys. She Spoiler. got the rose. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, she did agree to be um, his wife and all of this. And then there's, like, this is the funniest part because this section that I'm about to tell you is, like, a major plot point in the story, but it's literally less than a verse. <laughs> it's like, so Mordecai, her uncle, comes, and he has overheard a plot of the count of two of the counselors that they are planning to assassinate the king. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and he tells Esther, and Esther tells the king, and the king uh, investigates this, and is like, oh man, they were gonna kill me. Shoot! <laughs> and he kills both of them. Like, they're dead. They're out. Like... <laughs> gone swift judgment <laughs> yes and it's so funny because this this like these two counselors mm -hmm. and their assassination like we skip over this all the time we don't even but that's like it. the major motion picture <laughs> like, that the rest of <laughs> humanity would promote yeah like, so i love that all yeah. yeah like honestly this is the ultimate spy and political intrigue movie which mm -hmm. i don't know why it hasn't like I know there are a couple different versions of okay, this. I'm going to be hater. It's because but... it's about a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll take it back. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But, and uh, maybe it's the portrayal of the woman that is also an issue for, for people. But mm -hmm. I'm just saying, like, there's no conniving on her part. There's no, she just, Mordecai tells her, hey, you need to tell the king that these guys are planning to kill him. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. So she tells him, he investigates, finds out it's legit, mm -hmm. gets rid of him, and then that is how the wow. villain is introduced. Mm -hmm. Haman, number two guy in, to char in charge. Haman the hater is what we call him now. It's what Anne calls him. I've never said that in my entire life. And it's also <laughs> but I really like it. Hashtag so Haman it. the hater. 
that'll go on our podcast. Just welcome and see that hashtag. For reals. <laughs> oh, man. He's not getting a t-shirt, though. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um, so enter Heyman. Heyman, who I would say Heyman is definitely like the epitome of ambition, like negative ambition, like mm-hmm. full on Slytherin is definitely his house, but in like the bad way. Cause I'm also Slytherin, but in the good way. I was like, yeah. please don't take that the wrong Same, way. We love right? Slytherins. Okay. <laughs> we do. We love, we love all Slytherins. We I honor ambition and Exactly. Yes. We hate Ravenclaws though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That is a straight up lie. Wow. <laughs> Moving on. We also love. I'm not just kidding. Can you tell I'm a Hufflepuff? <laughs> You're both Hufflepuffs. Yes. How okay. did we end up? With this that? is what's funny is that I subscribe to the fandom that. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> You, well, number one is that there's one that maybe that your actual traits uh, lean towards, and then uh-huh. that, but ultimately, just like Harry Potter, the yeah. one that you belong to uh, and join mm-hmm. is the one that you most appreciate and respect and yes. what you desire. Oh, very cool. So, I, I am, haven't actually read Harry Potter, so. Well, I've read the she's first working one, on it. She's we're getting in, there. She's in process. I'm repenting. We're pushing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, if you take like, the official quiz, uh, I'm a Hufflepuff, and I totally identify loyalty, all that is mm-hmm. my jam. Yeah, uh, but I have a lot of ambition and I have a lot yeah. of Slytherin traits. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm actually both. So yeah. we are such a happy mm-hmm. Harry Potter fan. Yes, yeah, we are together. <laughs> okay, to get back to, to, to Esther, get back really to Esther <laughs> to back up a little bit before Haman because I, I do want to just point this really quick. Mm-hmm. Mordecai came to Esther and told her about the plot, and instead of just saying like, "Oh, you're my uncle. You're an old man." I it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. and then letting the king get assassinated she actually took decisive action she trusted the people that she was around she believed that they had actually heard that and then Mm -hmm. she took action pretty quickly swift action just like yeah he the king took swift action to execute them she Mm -hmm. took swift action to actually say something about it and to let him know hey you probably should investigate but here's what i've heard it's probably something to look into right yeah i think that sets her sets up some of her aspects for what we're going to talk about later on is that swift, decisive action, but mm-hmm. trusting the people around her to actually be aware of what's happening and not just lying to her just because. Yeah, because at this point, she has just been made queen. Like, anybody mm-hmm. could come up to her and be like, oh, let me tell you this. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. got tons yes. of people. Like, there's a, what are they called when they try to influence politicians? Lobbyists? Yeah, that's the oh, one. Okay, yeah. Like, there's probably tons of lobbyists that are out there, like, trying to vie for her mm-hmm. attention and get her to influence the king in different ways. But, like... Well, to promote their own agendas, exactly. yeah, whether good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there are tons of counselors. Not just yeah. the king's counselors, yeah. but tons of counselors. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so back to Haman the Hater. Sorry, we're going to get distracted quite a bit. Um, but Haman <laughs> the Hater is going around, and he's been made number two in command. And here's how we know he's the worst... The first thing he does is he makes it a rule that when you see him coming, you better bow. Um, and we don't know if the king was aware of this rule, but he wanted all of that respect, all of that honor, glory for himself. Glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when we said Slytherin, we meant it. Um, <laughs> and he is very much um, like <coughs> to the point where when Mordecai who is like, no, nah, you're not the king and you are not anyone important to me. Mordecai doesn't bow to Haman. Mm-hmm. And Mordecai and Haman is like, oh my gosh, Mordecai, you you're the suck. Worst. You're the worst. But he can't just go around killing normal people because that's murder. Even for like 
you know, and it's and not treason, and he can't just go to the king and say, you know what, there's people who aren't bowing to me. Whoa, like, that's usurpation, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. So Haman, the hater, is also, you know, the smart. And so... <laughs> sort of smart. <laughs> we'll get to that. He's getting tons of... Um, and we don't even... I don't know how to pronounce the king's name, so that's why he hasn't gotten a moniker at all. Um, and I'm... It has is Haman, wears right? the awesome? I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, the awesome king. Yeah. Because Ahasuerus, oh. the awesome? Uh, it doesn't okay. say that in there. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't say wow. in the scriptures. We were giving him a moniker. Evidently, <laughs> we only subscribe to the book of Anne, not the book of Danny. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> none Can you tell who wears the pants in this podcast? <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back on track. Ahasuerus <laughs> the Awesome, <laughs> as he is now known, <laughs> which we believe is how to say his name. Um, anyway, so he, so Haman can't go to the king and be like, Mordecai didn't bow to me. Like, mm-hmm. screw him, right? Yeah. Sorry, language. Um, kill him, right? Yeah. So instead, what he does is he does some background investigation on Haman, finds out, oh, Haman is a Jew, Oh my gosh, the Jews believe in God. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in our God. They're different from us. Boom, kill him. Mm-hmm. And so the story that he goes to the king with is that there is a group of people. It doesn't even necessarily specify who. He says there's a group of people that live in our kingdom who are going out there. They're rebellious. They don't believe in God. Or Sorry, they don't believe in the authority of the king. They're going to cause lots of trouble. It's time to kill them all. Mm-hmm. And the king is like, because the king, like I said, in my personal belief, I'm pretty sure he's fairly young. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, civil civil unrest, like people causing riots in the streets, mm-hmm. dead. Get rid of them. Like, decisive action. Decisive yeah. action, right? Um, the other thing, uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. That's speculation on my part in two different centuries. Anyway. Okay, actually, no. So that, that thought that I had is um, pretty important. So, um, you've got Haman. Okay, so consider this. The people that Haman wants to um, attack are specifically the Jews. Like, And throughout history, at least more recent history, I mean, we've got the Bible um, that if we're taking it as historical fact, like you've got um, Jews are like the building blocks, the, like the people who are constantly building things throughout uh, society. Like in Egypt, they're... They're there as slaves in, um, yeah, that's the biggest one. Um, but, so, the other thing is more mo- more recently, like, as recent as uh, World War II, um, you've got a lot of very famous Jewish families, like the Rothschilds, that um, have amassed quite a bit of wealth, and they've got, and historically, like, they do very well for themselves, partly because they work hard, they, um, very educated, they value a family, and they are willing to um, make sacrifices to make sure that things um, proceed as they're supposed to, right? And um, anyway, so Haman's plan here, if if um, the situation going on here is very similar to what was to the situation um, in Germany in the 1930s, you've got a very wealthy population um, that is hardworking, that have amassed their own wealth, that even though they may be in captivity, 
they're they're still industrious and hardworking and and making doing fairly well off like we've kind of talked uh okay to be fair we're recording this a couple days later but um they we've kind of talked about how Mordecai seems to be um a little bit up there in the Jewish community and we don't know exactly what his role is but we do know that he has access to more information about the palace and we know that he um, also has some access to Esther not full access but some access and that she keeps an eye on him and he keeps an eye on her um very connected yeah super connected um so when Haman is um, proposing this plan to the king he may also be thinking not just about the death of Mordecai and satisfying his need for blood and everything and um, to make himself, to, to give himself that glory and honor that he's wanting. But he's probably also thinking about the fact that a lot of the Jewish people there probably have some wealth, probably have some money. And if he kills them all, he can go in with the soldiers, the king's soldiers that are at his command because he's second in command, and he can go in and gather up the wealth. Who else did this? Uh, Hitler. He also did that too, and he was oh. a real awful person. <laughs> and um, anyway, so I can see, um, like, even just in the campaign, like, okay, sorry, we're we're gonna jump to Hitler for a second. Even in Hitler's campaign, it's a very clear, slow, direct path to, oh no, we don't like the Jews, and like slowly building up a hatred towards them to the point where when he sends his soldiers in to go in, collect their goods, collect their furniture, collect everything that's nice that they have, he's building up his own stores. And he's building up his own wealth within the country, which, I mean, if you're coming out of a recession from debt, from war debts, it's not necessarily a bad idea to go and attack wealthy people. Um, no, yeah. I'm glad we discussed these, like, extra motivations that probably existed here. Yeah. Um, so that was, that. that's the thought that I was like, yeah, this probably exists over, like, like it exists over two different centuries. Um, th- those are just my thoughts, and uh, now we'll get back to, to the original. Um, so the king is like, yeah, and he, Haman writes out the decree, and the king signs it. Mordecai, once again, figures out this decree, realizes what it is. He is crying outside, and he is mourning. Mm-hmm. because And like I feel like Mordecai serves as a representation of all of the Jews in uh, Persia at this time because he goes and he's in sap, sackcloth how do you say that? sackcloth sack sack cloth and, and ashes, ashes. <laughs> you have to enunciate clearly and speak slower anyway and put on a British accent in the middle of what you're saying uh, anyway sorry British people moving <laughs> on anyway alright um, so he puts on sackcloth and ashes and is in mourning and yeah. Esther hears about this Mm-hmm. And she sends to Mordecai and is like, what is going on? And Mordecai comes back and he's like, the king has signed a decree to kill us all. Mm-hmm. It's Haman. And I, I'm pretty sure she get, he gave her more information, but it was Haman who's in charge of this and not the king. But the king is the only one who can undo this. Like, this is just me kind of speculating as he's giving her information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, would, I can see that he, like, 
he, we definitely know that he told her about the decree and all of that. We I love this too because um, obviously Mordecai has dedicated his life mm-hmm. to supporting the king and yeah and the people. Obviously, uh, yeah. I mean he yeah. has to have to have this information. He has to have a network oh, of yeah. informants. Mm-hmm. Like this is his life, and I think it's very interesting that he does not um, react aggressively and try mm-hmm. you know to even incite war. Um, because of anger, he goes straight into yeah. mourning because his heart is in mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. leadership, is in, yeah. is, is in, you know, this plan to continue to have a, a safe government and a safe, about that. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like his, like Mordecai has very much a very clear investment, not only yeah. in the future of the kingdom mm-hmm. and like in his people, but also like somehow he's got some... Uh, motivations for the king mm-hmm. yeah. itself like yeah. and for this structure that's going on even if like they don't necessarily have the same faith same yeah. beliefs same religion or anything he's very much got mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. uh, motivations and goals at least yeah like, at, like the, we, at the core of everything yeah, we talked about like he's obviously the king is not afraid to um to use force to you know uh yeah. establish peace and rest so yeah. i think I think it's just so interesting how he reacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I absolutely um, agree. When I think there's there's this aspect, too, that because he was so influential, that's why he was able to show his mourning. Because the problem is, <clears throat> I'm sure there are a ton of people mourning or wailing or being upset at the, the gates. That's why Esther probably didn't go out, because there's there's too many people, and it's just not a safe mm-hmm. situation. Not every grievance, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. But because but he was so there. influential, everybody knew this man, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't say exactly how or like what happened, but somehow everybody knew it was Mordecai. And that's why we were able to influence change. Not because yeah. he was some mm-hmm. random person on the side of the road mourning. Yeah. That wouldn't have gotten anything. But because it was Mordecai, the guy who saved the king, the guy who had this network, who was always there mm-hmm. for the king... And I mean, of course, he's the uncle also of the queen. Also, Esther, yeah. And right, but like he was so well known, that's why he was able to make mm-hmm. a difference and a change. That's really interesting too. Yeah. So, so Mordecai finished yeah. at the temple gates. He has a lot of influence. He has a lot of power. Yeah. Only is that that's the only reason why he, Esther even like knew of this situation. More than likely. Yeah. We don't know for sure. Like definitely, it's coming from Mordecai, and definitely, I think it's important that it comes from Mordecai, who is someone that she trusts, mm-hmm. and that also the people trust. Yes. And so when she sends a servant to go find out like what's going on, he sends her back. Um, it's not the oh, it's it is the proclamation. Yep. That it's like. Haman and the king. Mostly, the king has decided that he's going to kill all of the Jews mm-hmm. um, on this day at this time. Mm-hmm. And Esther is like, oh no, like, let's start fasting. Mm-hmm. But Haman is like, girlfriend, you're in a position to do something. You can go not talk Haman, to the Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Haman definitely wouldn't say that. He'd be like, girlfriend, don't do anything. <laughs> um, but Mordecai, who is the amazing with an M, um, we just skip past Mordecai the Mordecai the magnanimous. Ah, oh, yes. I like That's that. a great one. Yeah. <laughs> Mordecai the magnanimous says. We should do a little campaign that's like, everybody, like, what is your, like, alliterative, uh, what's, what's the other moniker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For yeah. these key players. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> um, so Mordecai the magnanimous is like, no, 
you are in a position to do something. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So the second time that he sends to Esther, he's already told her once, you need to go to the king and talk Mm -hmm. to him. And she, and this is the part that everybody else focuses on that I think is, is a good point. Um, And it's definitely where a lot of, like a lot of the spiritual aspect of the story comes in. She straight up says to Mordecai, if I go in there while the king has not asked to see me, now he's been in he's been in meetings for the last 30 days. She hasn't seen him for 30 days. First off, that's a really long time. Right? Ouch. Like, <laughs> hold up. It's, it's really cute the yeah. way that she approaches the king, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second. But she hasn't seen him in 30 days. And she's like, if I go in right now to go see the king, he has, like, he can kill me on the spot mm-hmm. because I'm interrupting his meetings and his procedures and everything. Like, I don't... I, well, she has not been requested. Yeah, mm-hmm. she hasn't been requested to go see him. Like, unlike Vashti, apparently the king doesn't want her to come dance for him right now. Like... I mean, if he's in meetings, political business... Yeah, I can see how that would be awkward. That would be a little distracting. In fact, that would be inappropriate. Um, mm-hmm. But the point is, like... He hadn't requested to see her, so her going to him is an act of treason, regardless of whether she's his wife or not. Even on the, regardless of the law, like, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's very Mm -hmm. forward. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so she's like, uh, Mordecai, I I can't go do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't. Um, And so, and apparently, actually, that that actually makes it even more interesting, because it seems like Haman has specifically chosen this time when the king is in all of these meetings, mm-hmm. when people don't have access to him, to mm. choose to implement his plan. Like, mm-hmm. sneaky, conniving, like, that just occurred to me. Yeah. Um, so Esther is really nervous and tells, tells Mordecai, I can't go. Mm-hmm. And so Mordecai um, sends back to Esther, and I'm actually going to read this from the King James Bible because, you know, it's time. Um, He says, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. So don't think that just because you're married to the king that he can't have you killed as well Mm -hmm. when everyone else is slaughtered. Because you're still a Jew. Yep. You are still one of, like, you are, like, this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, don't forget who you are. Yeah. Um, And then he adds, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Like, if, like, I love Mordecai's faith here. Like, we are going to be delivered because the Lord loves us. Mm-hmm. If it's not you, the Lord will find someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, someone else can do that for us. Mm-hmm. Someone else can take care of us. Which... Yeah. I, like I said, I love that faith from him. Um, but, like, also, like, the absolute confidence that he has in... Because I don't think that he just was like, I'm going to put my niece in a beauty pageant. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would oh, be no. great. Like, no, no, no. Like, do I think he's maybe a little scheming and stuff? No, I don't even think that necessarily either. But I do think that people are in certain... like. In fact, the more I read history, the more I've come to believe this. People belong to the times that they are in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who are specifically meant to be in certain times to make certain decisions. Mm-hmm. Good decisions. Um, yep, I, I usually like to go to the extreme 
examples to make sure I believe that point, and I do. It fits with the extreme example. Um, and like Esther is no different. Mm -hmm. Like she for sure is there for a reason, for a purpose, mm -hmm. and for this time. Did they know that this was going to happen? No. But can mm -hmm. she save her people because she's there? Mm -hmm. Yes, she can. But I also want to point out, too, like, how empowering this is. This isn't just some random counselor telling her, like, no, I don't even care about you because you're still a Jew. Like, you have to go take care of this, yeah. period, end of story, or else we're all going to die. And you're going to die, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, instead of that aspect, this is coming from an uncle, someone she loves, she trusts, and she grew up with. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything about Esther's parents, but she grew up with this guy, right? Yeah. Whether it was in his house or just near him. But he's, like, it's he's almost empowering her to recognize that, you are the queen. You do love the king, even mm -hmm. if he doesn't love you as deeply or whatever the situation is. Like, you will be saved if you're doing it the right way and you recognize what you can do in this position yeah. of power. Like, who knows, but this is why you're here, right? Yeah. The, and I think, too, all of us have that thought. Like, why mm -hmm. are we actually here? What are we actually supposed to be doing? Yeah. And not to get any religious at all, but, like, she probably had that thought too, especially as a queen, right? Yeah. Well, why am I queen? I, yeah. I know I'm beautiful. I know I've got these skills because obviously, <laughs> hello, I'm here. But I think she still would question too, exactly when she's pointing out like, I don't know, I might die from this. Yeah. And he's like, no, but if you do it right, who knoweth? Yeah. Who knoweth? Well, I think I love, um, like personally, this application that he's saying like, you have to take responsibility for your position. Mm -hmm. You cannot just sit passively. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's beyond, like, her place as a Jew mm -hmm. and connected to this specific attack. <coughs> when we're in places of influence, it really is our responsibility to do something. I think, yeah. like, I have a, a wonderful um, friend that she does a lot of like teaching with children and she does a lot of just like very interactive activities with them, but she teaches about bullying a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, just this empowerment of you being silent while something else is happening, whether good or yeah. bad, you are, you will bear responsibility for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You have to own your position. Like the bystander effect. Yeah. You yes. can't do, yeah. just be a bystander. So I just love that. Yeah. He's reminding her like you, um, this is not the end. Yeah. yeah, like your survival, and that just the fact that survival is more than just your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and think about like if she mm -hmm. was that introspective of like, well, why am I queen? Like, why did I get chosen? Am mm -hmm. I? Am I like? Obviously, we've discussed and we see the value in her, um, mm -hmm. in her integrity and in her, um, character. But is she just a tool for Mordecai? Is she just a little uh, chess piece, mm -hmm. um, for someone else's good influence or uh, motivations? Mm -hmm. And he's saying, no, like your life is more than that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So for you to stand in this position, you you need to take responsibility. You need to step up and do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which can and be you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I understand the intimidation factor there. Absolutely, too. Yeah. Like, oh, definitely. When <laughs> Put I was your a life kid, on the line. <laughs> right? When I was a kid, I used to play this game where I would decide who was in charge in mm -hmm. the group, right? And typically, I'd go like. Okay, if it's a guy, he's in charge. Girls are in charge second. Like, mm -hmm. this is just me mentally, like, hierarchy, creating a hierarchy, right? But then, depending on, like, if it's all girls, if it's all guys, like, then whoever is the tallest. Oh, if we're all the same height, then it's whoever's the oldest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Until at the very end of all of this, um, I would manipulate my own 
uh, leadership criteria to be I am the last person that's in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I don't want any responsibility. Like I don't want anybody to come to me and be like, Anne, we need your help." Like mm-hmm. uh, no, I I put myself like at the very bottom. Like mm-hmm. haha, like I don't have to be responsible for anything. And so yeah. I can see Esther as she's like still growing into this role. Mm-hmm. Um we don't know how long she's been queen. We know she's been at the palace for at least a year and three months. Um, or 30 days, sorry, not three months. Um, but, like, we don't know how she's acclimatizing herself to her role, mm-hmm. how things have been going. Like, do the people like her? Do they hate her? Like, what's going on mm-hmm. there? Like, we don't have any of that information. What we know is that all of a sudden she has to make a decision. She has to not just make a decision, she has to act on mm-hmm. that decision. And that decision can have will have an enormous impact on herself and on uh, everybody that mm-hmm. she knows, like yeah. her entire people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially that this is also especially important because they're not like they are the Jews right now are captives in Persia. Like mm-hmm. they are not necessarily like we don't know like the class structure or anything, but they're probably not first class citizens mm-hmm. right now. They're kind of peons maybe like the fact that Haman can just be like yeah we're gonna kill all the Jews like they're sure, disposable like, on some mm-hmm. level yeah mm-hmm. on some level they're not they're not the most valued mm-hmm. and so and Esther it says that she has kept her identity and her heritage a secret up to this point mm-hmm. would that have changed the outcome of her of the beauty pageant if they'd known that she was a Jew we don't know. we don't know we but it was necessary for her to keep it a secret or she felt like it was necessary to keep it a secret Mm -hmm. which I think is important yeah and I think too of this decision that she's making as terrifying as it is we've all had those situations where we're supposed to make these deep decisions whether it's a job change or a location placement change like when I moved from Utah to Florida Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big distinct difference by myself right yeah but I I had time to do that decision and she really didn't have time. Oh no. Like she had to take this information and act swiftly and confidently. Mm -hmm. And that's terrifying. She did it. And we'll, we'll talk about like that process, but Mm -hmm. just thinking about where she's at with that decision making process, it can be overwhelming for anyone. But I think she also has those principles to help us understand how to make decisions too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what does she say to Haman or to Mordecai? She says, all right, Fast for me, mm-hmm. pray for me, in three days I will go talk to the king. Mm-hmm. I think she might be giving the king a little bit of leeway to like end his meetings and you know yeah. come see mm-hmm. her perhaps. Just in case. But like just in case, like <laughs> not stalling necessarily, but um, she does know the exact date for when all of this is going down. She may have a little bit of time. Um, and so in an act of like true love and like hope and charity all of the people begin fasting with esther mm-hmm. and then three days later even her handmaidens yeah even her handmaidens who may or may not be jews mm-hmm. like we don't know we just do not know which if they're not jews wow what solidarity mm-hmm. like if they are holy cow like yeah. what an influence <laughs> um, she had in that moment yeah like, of people who don't even, like, who do and who don't, but, like, who have at least seen who she is and understand the content of her character and know that she is honest and true in everything that she does. Like, mm-hmm. a very beautiful person in and out. Yeah. Um, so, the day comes. She goes to the king. Now, 
the important thing i really think that the counselors and their commentary on vashti is so important because it makes what esther does here so brilliant to me mm -hmm. like this is my favorite part of the story um number one the king is there with all of his counselors number two <laughs> Esther has already saved the king's life. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, does she have reason to be afraid? Of course. Like, there is always a reason to be afraid and to have faith. Mm -hmm. But there's also, in my mind, less, a little bit less reason for Esther to be super afraid that the king's not going to put the scepter out to her because she has saved his life. And number two, um, what was... I have a thought. Um, oh, so I don't think that the problem is that um, she's worried that he's not going to save her life. The problem is this. He has just barely put Haman in place. And if he is a young and impressionable king that has a bunch of insecurities about all of this, the last thing she can do or should do is go in there and say, honey, your second hand man is going to kill everyone mm -hmm. and it's a dumb decision and you let him do it in front of all his friends yep like don't do that like <laughs> everybody knows you don't do that but he is a young impressionable king in my opinion and from like my reading mm -hmm. to the point where um she needs to find a careful and graceful way to explain to him what exactly his decision is going to like what this decree is going to have on the people mm -hmm. and so because he's young and impressionable and like i said the fact that the counselors kicked vashti out because she was not example of a good wife because mm -hmm. she didn't come and dance what does esther do the king lowers his scepter to her and calls her forward and she goes and he says esther what do you need mm -hmm. anything like up to half the kingdom is yours and what does she say Babe, I haven't seen you in three, 30 days. I want to have dinner with you tonight. What? <laughs> Ooh, I got chills. It's right? when you think about like the very start of this particular chapter in Esther, mm -hmm. it talks about how much preparation she put into the way that she presented herself. Yeah. She put on her royal clothes, not just like her fancy oh, yeah. dresses, but her royal clothes. She probably mm -hmm. added a lot of makeup, like just really presented herself as yeah. a picture perfect queen and wife. Mm -hmm. And then goes in and he's like, what do you want? She's like, Dinner. I what? want you to come to dinner. She asks him out on a date. Right. Like, <laughs> she just says to him, babe. And how amazing to be like, I don't want your position. I just want you. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a I minute. I just yeah. want you for yeah. 30 minutes. Like, just for tonight. I yeah. just want you to come see me. And more than that, I've seen that you have a new counselor. <clears throat> we haven't honored him. Mm -hmm. We haven't done anything for him. He's a new guy in mm -hmm. power. We want to, like... Do something for him. And how flattering for the king and for right? his first person. Like, oh, I made a great decision. You yeah. agree with me? You want him too? This is amazing. Right? right? Like, oh. ultimate ultimate power move mm -hmm. right here. Uh, just being like, babe, I love you. I want to see you. Mm -hmm. Like, come have dinner with me. How about, like, engaging? Okay, so obviously she needs to talk to the king. So uh -huh. she's just, like, you know, lowering all the guards. She's l lowering all of, like, the... The suspicious thoughts of of the yes. bad guy and being like, hey, I'm your supporter. Yeah. What do we need to do? Like, yeah. I just love this like yeah. strategy. Let's decrease. And the it's intensity. very subtle. It's very and it's, there is genuine thought in there. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. You know? So, but I love this, like, this gentle power move. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so powerful. Oh. Can a man do this? Yes, he can. But can a woman do this better? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I like, think this so. is terrible for me. But, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I think women are better at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to hang out with you. Please. Thanks. Let's just cuddle. Like, yeah. And will guys fall for it every time? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't if know. not, do we need them? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, we do. Oh, darn. <laughs> anyway, so she goes in, and of course, the king is like, uh, yeah. And yes. I'm pretty sure, like, this is definitely, once again, speculation in the Bible, according to Anne. He sent all of his counselors home and was like, you know what? We all need to go spend time with our families right mm-hmm. now. We've been here 30 days. Let's all take a break. Yeah. And... To the point where when they go to dinner, it is Haman, the king, and Esther. Only those three mm-hmm. at this dinner. And mm-hmm. it's so private, and it's just them. And they get to talk about whatever they want. Maybe they have, like, a couple of performers. I don't really know a lot about ancient Persian culture. It's something I have been meaning to study, but I haven't yet. But they're all there together, just chilling. And the king, who is just moved with love and compassion and all this stuff, says to Esther... Esther, babe, like, what do you want? Like, again, up to half of the kingdom, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I'll, I'll keep that thought to myself. Um, and Esther says, I just want you to come to dinner tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. We should do this again. And yeah. the king's like, she just okay. wants to spend time with me. Like, yeah. this is why I think he's young. Um, <laughs> wow. Whoa, that was a roast. Oh, my gosh. That was not how it was supposed to come out. Like, it. It's but, so real, though. I, I also want to point out, too, like, he's she's setting the stage for comfort and, uh-huh. like, support, right? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. for Heyman, who she mm-hmm. doesn't really know, but she knows he's, he's had the convinced the king to sign this decree, right? Yeah. But because of how calming and relaxing this situation was... Haman goes to his wife, and he's like, mm-hmm. look at this. Like, I have the favor of the king, and but even the queen. the queen, right? They both think I'm the bee's name. Yes, and so this is yeah. where, like, his extra political plotting really starts to take take mm-hmm. some precedence. Mm-hmm. He starts to move forward on some of this because he's like, oh, if I have favor of both of them, I can do whatever the heck that oh. I want to. But here's the thing. It's not enough. It is not enough no. for Haman. Like, here's the thing when dealing with bad guys. It will never, ever be enough. Ever. Like, write that down. You cannot give in enough to satisfy them. Because mm-hmm. even though he's got the favor of the king and the queen... From his perspective. From his perspective, the fact that Mordecai still will not bow to him mm-hmm. and still will not treat him with the respect he thinks he deserves, it's not enough. And mm-hmm. so his wife is like, just build a gallows for him. Like, okay, also, we have to talk about Haman's wife because she's also the worst. <laughs> um, and is like, just amplifies all of his awful qualities. <laughs> like, you know what? You hate him so much. Mm-hmm. Build a gallows. We'll hang him. Like, mm-hmm. the day that this, that it's, all of this is going down, you get to hang, hang, you get to hang Mordecai yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, First, from the biggest gallows in the entire area, it'll yeah. be your opportunity. That's right. Like, like mm. you get to do that. That's why it's really important to have the right man to stand behind. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The right silk, right? Mm -hmm. The queen's Mm -hmm. council. Regardless of whether you're a male or female, but that that concept of having a council, this is why it's so important to have 
around you the people that will buoy 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 yeah. <laughs> and so like buoy you up and like <laughs> support you and encourage you and make you a better person mm-hmm. because otherwise they're going to lead you right down to the path that rocks so earlier <laughs> so when we talked about That's like a quote okay. even no hades no. even like having oh, the first no. dinner no. Oh my sorry. goodness. I missed that. How did I miss <laughs> that? References. Okay, I'm so sorry. Courtney. I know just something that came to mind um that, you know, Heyman was invited to this first dinner. Mm-hmm. I just think about like uh the ch- the chances that we get in life. Mm-hmm. Um because I mean, again, we're not perfect people and applying mm-hmm. this like same concept. Sometimes we get behind the wrong horse. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's really important for us to like understand that just because we're in the wrong line and maybe accidentally or even purposely fighting the wrong war, mm-hmm. we have opportunities to redirect. Yes. Yeah. And so I think this in some ways was an opportunity. Had he been able to put aside some of his more, you know, sinister plots <laughs> and pride yes. and, you know, wanting that glory for himself, he could have, you know, he could have also in, done some introspective work mm-hmm. and been like, oh, I have the favor of this. Maybe he could have, you know, done some research on who this queen is uh, and found uh, out her connection. And, oh, you know what? That queen's oh, connection yeah. might be more valuable than me killing someone in this way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's really interesting that we don't always have to stay on the, that same path. Yes. Um, yeah. Life gives us plenty of opportunities. Yeah. He had but plenty. That yeah. definitely shows how, like, part of the perception of women at this time, like, the fact that he didn't even consider her worth mm-hmm. having her esteem. Yeah. She was just or sprinkles even, on top, like we were talking. Yeah, like, yeah. I have the king and I have the queen. Yeah. yeah like, you know? literally just, and, uh, I mean, I don't know, we can talk about, like, women during this time. Like, clearly there's a very clear perception that women should be good wives, they should obey their husbands, they, um, like, but they're, they're, they're picked for their beauty. They don't ask for too much. They're, mm-hmm. they're not an inconvenience. Like, all of these things that are, that are sprinkled around in this story tell you quite a bit, actually, about the culture and the perception of women at this time. Um, and the fact that Haman, in, like, but the best part is coming up in just mm-hmm. a second, which is hilarious to me because there's also a protective, a protectiveness around women and men's interactions mm-hmm. around women that Heyman crosses the line. Oh, absolutely. gets murdered. So, mm-hmm. sorry, spoilers. Let's continue. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's going down. Mm-hmm. But so, like Tammy was saying, he goes through, he gets all of, like, the hype from his wife. Like, his wife is the ultimate worst hit hype man. I was going to say hit man. <laughs> like, well, she turns out to be the assassin. Like, it wasn't the other counselors. It was... It was Heyman's wife. <laughs> we're definitely rewriting. Here's the mafia coming in. We're moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Thoughts, <laughs> intrigue, violence. Um, okay, so <laughs> back to the story at hand. Resolve, serenity. So dinner number two. Uh, dinner number mm-hmm. two. Wait, wait, wait. Before dinner number two, because this is the best part. Mm-hmm. So apparently the king gets relaxed enough, but... Not enough that he realizes that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So he starts going through. So as he's chilling in bed, apparently he's by himself. Um, he calls for his records mm-hmm. and he's like, "Guys, 
I, I just need to read through my records. Mm-hmm. So he goes through and he realizes, oh my gosh, at least 30 days ago, Mordecai gave Esther a tip that saved my life. See, mm-hmm. this is why it's so funny that that one verse mm-hmm. about the plot to kill the king is so funny that it's only like one verse at the end when of a chapter so and like gets brushed under the rug, right? Mm-hmm. But no, this is a key plot point mm-hmm. to this whole story. Yeah. Um, and he's going through his records and he's like, oh my gosh, Mordecai, it's been over 30 days. I haven't done anything for him. Like, apparently there's a gratitude custom that he has not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so he sends for Haman. The very next morning, before mm-hmm. all of their big meetings that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be in, he's like, Haman, I've, I've, I've made a mistake. And Haman's like, what have you done? Like, once again, summarizing. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's this guy who did a huge favor for me, and I have not recognized him properly. Mm-hmm. What what do I do? And Haman, this is like comedy central right here. <laughs> Haman is like, oh my gosh, the king is thinking of me, like ultimate narcissist. And (laughs) he goes through and he's like, you know what, your highness, this is what you should do. Or your majesty, sorry, not highness. Mm -hmm. Your majesty, this is what you need to do because this guy is going to be maybe a little bit upset that you haven't recognized him at all. You need to, number one, set out a parade for him. Mm -hmm. Number two, take all of your old clothes that you haven't worn I mean, you only wear your clothes once, Mm -hmm. so they're brand new. Um, You need to go give all of them to him. Mm -hmm. And you also need to, like I said, parade, parade, parade. Make sure everyone knows how amazing this guy is. Mm -hmm. And the king is like, yeah, oh my gosh, thank goodness I asked you. Will you do all that for Mordecai? (laughs) Oh my gosh, the biggest burn. Like, did the faith, the, did he fall over? Right. What? Yeah. Like, did I want to know. out? Like, holy cow. The king could not, like, if he'd taken a dagger to Haman's heart, he could not have hurt him more. Like, uh-huh. poor Haman, like, his mortal enemy. Yeah, he the now, one that he wants to be killed. For reals. He now has to go and uh, parade him around the city in the king's clothes and mm-hmm. all of these things. For Mordecai. Yeah. Not for himself. For Mordecai. And the best news is this. He was planning to kill Mordecai that night on his gallows, uh-huh. right? You can't kill somebody that the king just honored that day. Yeah. So this gives Mordecai some more time. And thinking about, like, the influence levels here, like, Haman was right hand to the king. Mordecai mm-hmm. was, like, way down here. He probably had influence, of course, yeah. like we oh, talked yeah. about, but he was way below Haman. But uh-huh. right in this one moment, Haman was so prideful that he created this opportunity where Haman just got knocked down a peg. You are not the one that I was thinking for. Thanks so right. much. Oh, you thought this was all for you. It's not. It's actually yeah. for Mordecai. And now we just like boosted Mordecai's influence and power. Yes. Not that he's on the all right the people. hand, but oh yeah, for everyone, not just yep. the Jews, like everybody who's in this this city of Persia. And now right? you have like, not just yep. the Jews, but all of the people yes. saying yeah. this man is significant. Yes. He's yep. done something great for the king. This is amazing. And now Haman's oh, yeah. bumped and bumps down and Mordecai's bumped up and this is just like like not only is there a dagger to Haman's heart because it wasn't for him but, but now you just a dagger to his career yes like, you've you've made somebody more powerful than even I am and I have yeah. a flipping ring I'm the coolest guy this and now is you're like just the best no. k-drama I never watched right <laughs> we need to do those guys like I'm, I'm saying this story writes itself like, yes it's got comedy it's got intrigue it's got romance it's like 
Hollywood, take notes. Like, <laughs> we need this. I'll write it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's been pretty good so far. Uh, Continue. So, so this all goes down. And then, once again, time for dinner number dos, two. And so the king comes, and Esther's there. And the king is like, babe, you really have to tell me what I can do for you and what you need. And Esther's like, all right, I want you to spare my life. And the king, like, spits out his wine. Doesn't say that in the scriptures. But is like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Who's threatening you? Right? Like, (laughs) who is threatening you? What is going on? Like, what? And straight up, like, if I have done anything good for you, if I have done anything right please spare me and my people. And the king is like, all right, first of all, where is he? Where's the man? And she's <laughs> like, will it's die today. <laughs> and the king, who clearly, like like I said, I really think the king is fairly young. Yeah. But also, this is the first time I think that the king has had to make a decision on his own. Uh-huh. And guess who's there while he is living with his shame and realizing that he has been tricked yeah. and all this stuff. There is nobody there except his wife and his right-hand man. Mm-hmm. These are the only two people there. There are not even servants in the room. Mm-hmm. Just witness the king's shame. Yes. Women, sisters, ladies, whatever you want to call yourself, take notes. Like, <laughs> when do you correct a man? Not in public. Ever. Like, not in public. And not anyone. Person, too. Nobody. Yeah, a child, child yeah. anyone. Yeah. Ever. No, this is a private thing. Like, yeah. allow them that dignity. Yeah. Um, you will gain lots and lots of esteem in their eyes. And that power and influence. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what does the king do? He needs to take a breather because he is not a man who acts rashly. He listens to, like, he's been in council for 30 days, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, he takes his time and thinks about things. So while he, like, he stands up, takes a second, goes outside onto the balcony. Mm -hmm. Now, I do not know apology or, like, begging cultural procedures in Persia, but whatever they are, Haman begins them, and when the king comes back in, okay, guys, sorry, this is a little bit, um, this is just accurate, um, the king comes back in, and it looks like Haman is raping his wife, mm-hmm. in his bed, yeah, in his room, so Haman's dirtbag, um, but, like, I, there's other words to better describe him that, mm-hmm. you know, we're not gonna say on this podcast, um, and the king, who is now, who was, trying to calm down, comes in, sees this, and straight up is like, does he think he will force the wife in my bedchamber? Mm-hmm. That's probably not a direct quote, but it's like pretty close. I mean, it's close. Oh, will he force the, the queen also before me in the house? Yeah. And the king, is, and then Haman's like, oh my gosh, no, that's not what was going on. Like, I was just trying to like convince her to not kill me, mm-hmm. like begging for my life. And the king's like, I'm done. And somebody... Apparently, one of his chamberlains. One of the chamberlains probably heard from outside, is like, you imagine um, this? He like hears all this ruckus and he opens the door and he's like, "Hey, Sir King, <laughs> say no." And he's like, "What the heck is going? Or what magic is this?" <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't fit in the context. No. But he's like, "Oh no!" And the king wants Haman dead now. Like, if he had any question about Haman's intentions or mm-hmm. the kind of man that Haman is, he knows now and what a what a difficult position and like traumatizing position for esther like she's already had to deal with the idea of being killed now Mm -hmm. she has to deal with 
this trauma, but here's her husband who is supporting her, who loves her, who mm -hmm. sees that she's doing things to help him and is here to defend her and protect her. Like, mm. absolutely not. The moment, like, he immediately has, once again, Comedy Central here, has Haman hung on the gallows he made himself. For Mordecai. Yep, for Mordecai. Oh, sweet and, revenge. Okay, right? This is like, great, too. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Yep. <laughs> That's terrible. He's dead. I'm I also happy. love that. His character yeah. is just like, okay, I took care of the injustice, and he moved on. good. Yeah, like, yep. Because other people could have held mm -hmm. on to this. This could have oh, yeah. this could have been like a little thing that corrupted slowly all of his interactions as a king. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But here's the thing. Esther, like, once again, she, after the king has been pacified and once that has been taken care of, she reminds him, hey, bro, I still don't want to die. Mm -hmm. I still don't want my people to die. Mm -hmm. And the king is like, absolutely not. Like, mm -hmm. this was horrible i see now that Haman was not coming from a place of compassion and love like murderers usually aren't and <laughs> um he's like we're gonna fix this right now and yeah. so he goes through writes a decree and the best part of this decree is that if anybody still tries to hurt a jew or kill a jew mm -hmm. on this day that was initially decreed the jews have the right to fight back they have the right wow. to defend and protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And like to the shedding of blood yes. is pretty much how he says it. Mm -hmm. And this decree goes out. And that day, like on the day, like basically you can just imagine like fighting in the streets. Like, <laughs> no, nah, you're not killing me and I'm not killing you. Like mm -hmm. we're going to live together peaceably the way that we should have been. Yeah. Like this whole time that we probably were before mm -hmm. Haman was like, yeah, you can kill anybody you want mm -hmm. because, you know, they didn't bow to you. <laughs> no guys that's not like that's arrogance not confidence okay right um but then the other thing that i love about this story is that after this has all gone down the king asks esther again what she wants <laughs> mm -hmm. and basically she I, I don't remember did she answer or am i wrong here but in the end of this story Esther ends up taking a place and writing her own decrees at the, like, at the behest of the king and at his side. Let it be granted. Yeah. So, to defend themselves. Um, I know Mordecai kind of led them. Um, yeah, it's okay. But either way, um, Esther ends up writing some of her own decrees and has the king's support in a lot of the things that she does. Um, so she asks for a voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A voice. And, and the biggest thing to me is, like, the king and the queen become partners. Like, it's no longer only the king's counselors that have an influence over the country. It's mm -hmm. no longer the king... And honestly, the growth in both of them, yeah. like Esther realizing that she can make decisions that have an impact and that she has the support of the king. Mm -hmm. And the king realizing that he can make his own decisions. Mm -hmm. He has the final decision. Like he mm -hmm. was probably raised to make decisions and know that they have impact. Mm -hmm. But like to know that his wife is going to stand by him and be at his side for all of those. Like mm -hmm. this is what we call... A healthy marriage mm -hmm. but I also really like I mean Machiavelli has this has this quote and he says whoever is the cause of another becoming powerful think of mm -hmm. even 
Esther. Like she caused him to become more powerful, powerful and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but is ruined himself for that power is produced by him other oh sorry either through craft or force and both of these are suspected by the one that has become powerful right mm-hmm. so instead of using this principle of helping other people having other people help her become more powerful mm-hmm. um through craft or force the way that Haman did yeah. she did, decided to use all of this honesty this truth this love this support this all of those like skills that are um developed over time but show mm-hmm. that integrity in, in your person but like yeah. that aspect of power was more influential and more powerful over time where she was finally able to be side by side with her husband not that he yeah. ever told her not to be but now it's like officially they serve and they they serve the kingdom together because she used that opportunity to create power in a very i don't want to say soft and subtle way but more of like mm-hmm. a soft and subtle way rather it's than more feminine force. way yeah yeah like she it's it's a very nurturing feminine energy that she's using there yeah, as she is um, working with the king. Like mm-hmm. like we said, I just want you to come to dinner with me. I yeah. just want you to be work a nine-to-five job and come home, and we will have dinner together. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. Like, that is my ideal life right mm-hmm. now. I'll help you in your nine-to-five job. I'll do everything in my power to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But I still want to see you. Yeah. That's what I'm more mm-hmm. concerned about. I want to be here. I want you to be here. I don't want anybody to die. <laughs> Let's just be happy, okay? You yeah. know what I mean? But that pow- that is more powerful than craft and force and intrigue and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Are those accurate? Do they get you power? Can Absolutely. Yeah. It totally can, but not the right kind of power that I think we're trying to yeah. push for or teach about or whatever you want to and say. And that's the other thing. Like when you use that power, like that kind of method to come to power, Machiavelli constantly is warning against being hated. Mm-hmm. Like he's fine with being feared. That's fine. Being loved, even better. If you have to choose between the two, be feared, right? We're going to talk about that because I disagree. Um, but in the end, his main point is you can like, uh, hold up. His main point is you can definitely use mischievous and cunning and you can use quite a bit of violence to get your way and to take over and to conquer. But the better way is to do it slowly over time through consistent caring efforts Mm -hmm. where you actually like... When he talks about um, colonialization, this is not what I thought we were going to be talking about at this point, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> when he talks about like the idea of colonization and slowly integrating with the people, like the Persians are known, like they had one of the largest empires for a little while. Like mm-hmm. um, I was reading in the Bible dictionary that they actually think that this king Ahusaresh was uh, the Persian king Xerxes or somewhere around there in that mm-hmm. same area. And if it was Xerxes, Xerxes um, eventually, like, invaded Greece and, like, was trying to take over there. Like, that's how big their kingdom was. So, mm-hmm. think India, Middle East, Greece. Like, mm-hmm. they're big. Yeah. Like, that's why he's in council meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not just chilling. And he's got a lot on his plate, a lot that he's dealing with. Um, but, like, and so that's part of how Esther has even come there is, like, through all this conquering and everything... And why am I talking about Well, because the, oh. the power and the subtle and the love yeah. is what really got them to where they are. It wasn't mm-hmm. the force. I mean, obviously you have yeah. to conquer, but it wasn't the force that made this so influential and powerful and a great kingdom. It was because mm-hmm. they took those changes slowly over time and yeah. built it through 
the love of the monarchy rather than mm-hmm. like the fear of the monarchy. They, I'm yeah. sure they loved these two people, especially after mm-hmm. what happened with Mordecai. And especially like, in the city. Absolutely. Like maybe not in their further outreach, but like in the city, mm-hmm. I bet they were very, very well respected. Yeah. Which is how like, they were able no, to but make even uh, other cultures uh, or other subsets that weren't Jews. Mm-hmm. You, you now have a, a, a king that will listen to and respect and value all of the citizens within his power. Yep. Yeah. And they that won't just ignore the people only that he has direct connection to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is amazing a political statements. Oh yeah. yeah. Like and so what powerful. oh my gosh, like I didn't even thought of that. Like what a statement to make as your first decision as king. Mm-hmm. Like initially like granted you've got the public like the PR mess of Women's whole thing, you know, but then to add a decree like, no, we're not going to persecute each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And if people start persecuting you because of who you are or because of things you can't change about yourself, you have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to, um, to use any means necessary. Mm, don't take that out of context, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but within you have reason and within reason, but you have the right to protect yourself, mm-hmm. like just in general, as a whole. Mm-hmm. As human rights. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Like, that one decision for her to join this beauty contest truly Mm -hmm. led to an amazing, incredible kingdom. Yeah. That's huge. This just, I think it also highlights, too, like, each of us can make very small decisions Mm -hmm. over time, but it makes us who we are. And that's kind of the point here. Like, we can learn this little simple influence or simple principle of power and influence influencing people over time through that love aspect of it and that's what's going to help consistently make Mm -hmm. progress and change people's lives yeah i think um going back to our essential question today we uh, i said it differently but the way i've got it written down is how can i be more influential in my life and how do people make a difference in the world it's small changes like Mm -hmm. you can definitely make abrupt changes that will for sure make an impact but is it the impact that you really wanted to make Mm -hmm. is it the like not everything is so sudden we want Mm -hmm. things to be more sudden like we're impatient but patience is a virtue like (laughs) it is and as the quote goes patience is a virtue seldom found in women never found in men um Ouch. Uh, yeah, right. Like, nobody has it. No. Nobody has it. But it's a real thing. And I think making small, meaningful decisions is what leads mm-hmm. what leads to that influence. Yeah. Well, and Evie Pomper has said in her book, too, again, we'll get to Evie. And I, I think she's With these knees and I never even met her. <laughs> um, but she talked about that, too. She's like, you cannot, especially as humans, just try to make an overall complete 180. Occasionally, mm-hmm. does that happen? Absolutely. But is that very common? Absolutely not, right? Yeah. But the first step is like assessing where you're at, which you see Esther do. She's assessing, do I have the skills? Do I have the power? Do I have the authority to walk in and ask for something from my husband, right? She takes assessment first. Then Mm -hmm. she makes those small changes, picks one of those things on the list. First, I'm going to tell Mordecai, Mm -hmm. okay, I want you to fast. Second, I'm going to fast. Yeah. Third, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to go in and, and do something like this, but I'm going to prepare for it. I'm going to dress mm-hmm. up really, really nicely. 
and I already know right in advance, I'm going to ask him for dinner. So I, I think bet it's very, she very wore simple. his favorite color, too. Oh, I bet she did. Like anything, I bet she planned this yeah. so well. But each of these steps, they while well, the going into the king was this huge action, mm-hmm. she made little tiny decisions and little tiny actions over that process that led to this great change. And it wasn't just a change in a moment either, right? Because yeah. Persia became such an influential kingdom Mm -hmm. she influenced change across the entire time because of her little tiny decisions little tiny steps that built to something greater yeah oh yeah i love that um courtney do you have anything um i just think it's really inspiring i agree it's little changes and Mm -hmm. i guess so going back to like one of the reasons I love this podcast and I'm excited to be part of it is that we're all so very different people and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've already seen like we are (laughs) quite the combination of personalities and I just love this idea that we don't have to uh like we can just be so unique and still kind of find our little moments and places and Mm -hmm. and have influence Mm -hmm. um we can be different we can uplift each other we can support each other and still go forward so i do i agree with you guys i think um yeah going right along with that i i know that we've probably i i don't know who our listeners are i'll be honest um i know uh who i've kind of had in mind is like listeners and one of the thoughts i have here like number one for our single sisters or single queens who are out there our princesses Number one, um, you your actions make a difference. Like mm-hmm. right now, who you are makes a difference, and don't don't ever doubt that. But also, I'm thinking of if you are a mother or a wife, the most power you're going to have as an individual is when you have your husband on your mm-hmm. side, when you guys are unified in what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, when you guys are acting as a team. Like, that's when Esther and the king made such a huge... Like, that's how they were able to make such a huge statement. That's how they were able to save the people. That's how mm-hmm. they were able to rule for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, did he give her half the kingdom? No, he didn't have to. They could just rule together. Mm-hmm. And they had an entire kingdom, an amazing kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for gentlemen out there, do not settle for anything less than a woman who is amazing like Esther. Mm-hmm. but also allow women to be imperfect mm-hmm. and to make mistakes just like they they allow like the guester allowed her husband like mm-hmm. and also do not find you know a woman like Haman's wife <laughs> who inspires you in villainous things mm-hmm. like that's i don't know like i don't know that's kind of what i'm taking from yeah. from this i think, I think like looking for people who who try to develop themselves I think that's really what it should mm. go for. Whether yeah. you're married or not, whether you're single, whether you're old, whether you're young, like looking for people to surround yourself with that are constantly trying to be better, to do better, to see better, to be kinder to people. That's kind of the goal that you should be looking for, especially from Esther, right? Mm-hmm. She had Mordecai to help support her. She yeah. had her beautiful handmaidens who helped her oh, in yeah. every single thing that she did. She had her wonderful husband who supported her, listened to her, and did what needed to be done for her. And then I'm sure she had the kingdom who loved her, right? She built her own network because she was trying to be better, but she also, I'm sure, chose some of the people that were participating in that because they were trying to be better. So yeah. I think that's kind of what we're going for, too, is influence doesn't mean that you're, you're the president of the United States, right? That's not yeah. necessarily what it means. It's 
are you doing something better every single day and helping other people to come with you? Mm, yeah. Listeners, I'd like to retract my statement. I want you to know, <laughs> whoever you are, wherever you are, that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Like Tammy was just saying. Like, there are so many people that are around there to support you. Make mm-hmm. sure you are being supported by people who are actually taking you where you want to <clears throat> Boom. Universal statement. Yes. Ta-da. Awesome. I feel like we rocked it. Yeah. Um, but actually, we're going to end with a quote by Napoleon Bonaparte and a cliffhanger because <laughs> we're evil. Uh, we're not that evil, but we're going to be. <laughs> You're going to hate us for a minute. But we do yeah. appreciate intrigue, if you hadn't noticed. So be on the edge of your seats. Honestly, I actually was thinking about it, and I was going through it. I was like, we could talk about female villains. Like, there's straight up one That'd be so the, bad, eh? Right? Like, we'll get there. Because they have yeah. power and influence, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it for just, sure. It depends on how And we can learn from this. both good and bad influences. Yeah. And in fact, in my life, I have taken more distinct action <laughs> because I am determined to be the opposite yes. of yeah. something yes. and, and, or people or circumstances in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm determined that that will not be. Yes. And so, definitely. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> like, yes. Um, please don't use this podcast to become a villain, but if you wanted to, you could. So, I mean, I'm going to let you... Again, know your goals. Right? <laughs> define them. Um, but Small I want to end with this. I feel like this kind of encapsulates a little bit of what we've been talking about with making decisions and, like, we're acting with clear intent. Mm-hmm. Um, Napoleon... Par- Bo- <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte... <clears throat> once said that there is nothing so risky as being able to make your own decisions and therefore nothing quite so valuable. Mm. So be intentional. Uh, I added the last uh, be intentional. Like that's that's going to be a thing that we probably bring up quite a bit mm-hmm. along with pay attention, but we haven't gotten there yet. So spoilers. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, you'll forgive me later. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so be intentional. And... Um, Oh, yeah, cliffhanger for next week. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready? Here's your clue. All right, here we go. Um, and we are going to play a guessing game, so be on the lookout on Instagram for clues to see if mm-hmm. you can guess who the queen is. Do we send out prizes? The pride of knowing that you figured <laughs> it out is our prize right now. So yep, yep. Congratulations. And uh, Continuing. You, like, yeah, anyway. Okay, <laughs> so um, there is a reason that the queen is the most important piece on the chessboard Mm -hmm. and um next week when we discuss our next queen you're going to find out why she's Mm -hmm. the most important there was a queen who was so important and made such decisive and swift decisions that they honored the game of chess honored her in the game of chess by completely rewriting the rules so tune in next week we'll see you then or in Tahiti. Arwa. <laughs> Tahiti. <laughs> Adios. Bye.